0: Um, gee, we started a, um, session last week, a series last week, on a compounding life, and we looked at King Josiah, and we talked about how, um, in four chapters in the Old Testament, only four chapters are d- dedicated to the life of King Josiah, one of the good kings of Israel, um... How he made five life-changing decisions. So I'm going to read the scripture that we read last week to bring everybody up to speed, so that we're all on the same page. We'll look at those two decisions that he made last week, and then we're going to launch forward. We're not going to take a lot of time on what we did last week. You could you go on the website and listen to it if you want to. Uh, and in your handout, there is a I put the answers in from last week so that uh, you know what the answers are in advance. I want to help you as much as we can. We're looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 34 verses 29 through 33. 2 Chronicles, this is one place that Josiah is mentioned, the other place is in Second Kings. Um, in this church we believe that the Bible is the infallible word of God. It's the only standard that we have for our faith and our life. So listen as we read God's Word. Beginning at verse 29, 2 Chronicles 34. Then the king, that's Josiah, called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations, and decrees with all of his heart and with all of his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. Then he had everyone in Jerusalem, and the people of Benjamin pledged themselves to it. The people of Jerusalem did this in accordance with the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Josiah removed all of the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites, and he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, They did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their fathers. So the first two decisions that Josiah made were these. First of all, and and this kind of goes without saying, he made a decision to live a compounding life. He made the decision to live a compounding life. Um, Compounding life, we explained, is a life that touches other people around you some you know about, some you may not even be aware of. We think of the movie uh, A Wonderful Life and how George Bailey's life touched all those different people and he thought his life was a failure. We played a little clip from Mr. Holland's opus and how Glenn Holland had touched so many people, so many students over the 30 years that he was teaching. It wasn't aware of how impactful his life had been to them. A compounding life. The second decision he made was to build his life on Scripture. Build his life on Scripture. And the big idea that I gave you both for last week and this week is this. Whenever I interact with Scripture, it reveals the gap in my life. The gap between where I am and where God wants me to be. That's what Scripture does. We have a word for that. We call it conviction. We read a Scripture, and we're convicted by that Scripture. Not that we feel guilty. It's not a matter of God making us... If you feel guilty, that's not God. God will convict you. He will not make you feel as if you're guilty. The memory verse that we had last week... Uh, that you got a little card uh, detailing it. I think we have it available. F- oh, there it is. Uh, available for you. And it's from um, Psalm 119 verse 105. And this is the New Living Translation. Or actually I think this is God's Word Translation. Hmm. Uh, and it says this. It's a little different maybe from how you learned it when you were growing up. I learned the King James Version and it's a little different and it's tricky when you have to learn another translation, but, but this, is, this is it. If you would li- read it with me, I'm not going to go through the whole memory thing, but if you will read it with me. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Psalm 119, 105. And what it's saying is, mind the gap. The light that you have, the lamp that you have, God's word, which is which is the lamp that lights your world around you, lights you, brings brings light to the darkness, is going to keep you from stumbling, from falling into the gap. It'll save you, God's word. The third decision is where we're starting today. Josiah's third decision, and his decision is this. Decide to put God first in all areas of your life. As Josiah read the scripture, he took action. He didn't just stand there and read the scripture and say, Oh, that was nice. That was lovely. I love those words. He began to reorganize all of the southern kingdom of Israel over which he was king. Jerusalem and south from there around the principles of God's Word. That's what he was reorganizing around, not some system that he had thought up, some system that some other king had told him about. He didn't go to a leadership conference somewhere and come back and say, oh, this is the system that we need to employ. He was using the principles of God's Word. He read God's Word to the people, but more importantly, he acted on God's Word. And I know that may be a fine distinction for some of you, but it's a distinction that I want to make sure that we, that we make here at Renovation. It's not enough to hear God's Word. It's not enough to read God's Word. You have to take action. We can, we can talk about, read about going out to other people that are different than us, but by golly, when you pack up and go to a prison to um, carry out the alpha program you've acted, you've acted in a way that not many people are willing to in the book of James chapter 1 verse 22 James says it this way don't merely listen to the word that's God's word do what it says don't just listen do it and you can read Second Chronicles 34, verse 31 um, in, your, in your notes there. I think I put it in there. Yep, uh, From the New Living Translation, it says this, The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord. Didn't just didn't just read here he's doing he pledged to obey the lord by keeping all his commands regulations and laws with all of his heart and his soul he promised to obey all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll but get this he made a public vow he didn't just in his bedroom get down on his knees and say god i'm going i'm going to do better this year this is 2015 and i'm going to do this whole thing different this year. Now, he made a public vow that God would be first in his life and in all of Judah. And this led to an unprecedented period of blessing for the kingdom of Judah, Judah uh, the nation of Judah, something that they had not experienced for a long, long time. So I came up with this equation, this equation, first equals blessing first equals blessing whatever area of your life that you want God to bless put him first in that area let him be first in that area so if you want God to bless your marriage put him first in your marriage if you want God to bless your career Put him first in your career. If you want God to bless your finances, put him first in your finances. And then sign up and come to Financial Peace on Tuesday night at 6.30. Because that's something he's given us, a tool he's given us to help put him first. You might say, well, is that true even in an economic recession? It's true all the time. This is true all the time. It's God's word. It's true. It's true. Forever and ever If you put God first in that area of your life He's going to bless it If you want God to be first in your sex life Yeah, I see some people on the back row waking up now (laughs) If you want to put God If you want Him to bless your sex life Put Him first in your sex life Whatever area in your life you want God to bless Put Him first in that area Why? because first equals blessing. You put him first, he's going to bless it. And the reverse of that is true, too. God can only bless the areas of your life that you have let him have first place in. You get that? He can only bless those areas that you're willing to let him have first place. He's not going to rush in and take over. So in other words... If you're not in a place where God can bless you, if he's not in that first place, then you're not going to have blessing. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, This is the New Living Translation. God will give you some. Is that what it says? God will give you all that you need from day to day. If you live for Him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern, if you live for God and make the kingdom of God your primary concern, He's going to give you all that you need every day of your life. He's going to bless you. That's giving God first place. So decide to put God in first place in all areas of of your life. Josiah did that and he blessed the entire kingdom and it was the first time that Judah had been blessed in decades because his grandfather and his father had been king before him and they did not do that. Josiah said God is going to be first in my life and in this kingdom and then he made a second decision and this is decision number four Decide to influence others toward God. Decide to influence others toward God. Josiah used his influence to point those people around him, the people that he came in contact with, toward God. And Josiah said, Hey, man, this is so good. I can't keep this to myself. I want to share it with everybody. He had found something. He had discovered something. Remember, he discovered the Scriptures when they were rebuilding the temple? He had discovered the blessing of God, and he said, I've got to give this out to other people. So look at what he did in Second Chronicles 34, verse 32. He required everyone in Jerusalem and the people of Benjamin to make a similar pledge. As the people of Jerusalem did this, they renewed their covenant with God, the God of their ancestors. Now, here's the uh, application for this, and it, and it is a little bit tricky. It doesn't apply to all of us, I don't think, like it does to Josiah, but I think you'll get the point here. Josiah was able to do this because he was the king. It was much easier for him. He said, I'm the king, and you will obey me, and you're going to put God first in your life. And we're going to put God first in this country. Now, as far as I know, nobody here at Renovation Church is a king. That may not be entirely true because I went to a Young Life get-together before Christmas. And as we were going around introducing who we were and where we were from, there were two young guys that said their names and said, well, I belong to Scott Spears' kingdom. So maybe, maybe Scott is the king, but the rest of us don't have that authority over people. So you can't necessarily walk into your office tomorrow morning and say, I hereby declare that our workplace will be a place where God's going to be first. I mean, they're going to look at you like you've gone to the moon. It just doesn't work that way. So even though you don't have that kind of king-like influence, you do have spiritual influence. Spiritual influence. Use whatever influence it is that God has given to you to influence those people around you toward God. And here at the beginning of the year, when we talk about resolutions and all this stuff, it's time to think about this seriously. Who are the people around you? Who are they that you could invest in and invite to follow God with you? Who are they? You know them. If you don't have some people that you know like that, then you're running in the wrong circles. I had that realization come to me. I'd been in a church for twenty five years. And all my friends were in church in small groups and this Bible study and this ministry and this da 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 and I didn't know anybody that was not a Christian. I was running the wrong circles. I had to get out of those circles and find some new friends that I might be able to influence. Who are the people around you that you can invest in and invite? Here at Renovation Church, we call it something different. You know what we call it? We call it build and bring. Build and bring. This was on your seat as you came in, a little sheet of paper like this, build and bring. And if you've been at Renovation Church for very long, you've seen this. We put it up on the screen here every once in a while. You may see the logo flash through the pre-service loop that we have. From time to time, we challenge all of our partners, all of our members. And from time to time, we also challenge our guests who are with us to think about three people Three individuals with whom they could build a relationship and bring them along with them to come and see. And there's a verse on the back side of that card down at the bottom. It's it's Colossians 4, 5. It says, live wisely among those who are not Christians. That's not hard to do. That's not hard to do. It's not hard to find people around here who are not Christians. May I repeat that between Wilmington and Charleston, 78% of the people do not attend church. 78% do not attend church. And there I thought I I was probably dealing with the 78% in church, you know? It was just the opposite. It was just the opposite. So it's not hard to find uh, people who are not Christians. The hard part of that verse is the first. Live wisely. That's the hard part. Live wisely among those who are not Christians and make the most of every opportunity. God has given you opportunities. Some of you sitting here today are the only Christians in your workplace, the only Christians in your school, your class, The only Christians in your neighborhood, at least close by that you know, the only Christians maybe in your family. Some of you are the only Christians in the apartment complex that you live in, in the gym or club where you hang out, among the people with whom you hang out. You could live wisely among them and make the most of every opportunity you have with them. Well, how do you do that, George? I'm glad you asked me by building and bringing. Here's how you do it the first thing you do is you pray for those people daily. Pray for them. Pray for the people I know who are not yet attending Renovation Church and are not yet Christians. And then I'll share my verbal testimony with them, my witness with them. I'll pray for them. I'll share something maybe from Scripture when they ask me a question. I'll share an encouragement if I can. I'll share my faith story. Maybe I can invite them to come with me to Renovation Church. With me. Not to meet me here, but to come with me to Renovation Church. What would it look like? I was sitting there one day this week. What would that look like? If at the end of this year, 2015, all three people that you invited on your list started attending church, and they started a journey toward a relationship with Jesus, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that make you feel good? Well, I did a little bit of math. And I thought, what if 2015 were an unprecedented year of opportunity for all of us? And what if everybody in our church took this build and bring idea to heart? And we all invited three people. Each one of us here invited three people. And what if they all came? Look around at the empty chairs. What would that look like? Well, what that means is that this year, we would go from a church of averaging 150 in attendance. That's where we are right now. And at the end of 2015, we would be a church of 600 people. That kind of blows my mind, and you know I'm not about the numbers game. I don't I don't care about having 600 people. That's a substantial increase, though, just by asking folks to come. We would have four times the number that we have right now. You and three people that you invited. We could be running another service two services on Sunday or during the week. Or better yet, we'd be planting another church in the community where we could connect with more people. And it starts with us. It starts with me. This year, over the next 12 months, I find three people. And I say, hey, why don't you come to church with me this Sunday or come to Alpha with me this Wednesday night? I'm going to give you from up here, I'm going to give you plenty of opportunities to do that all throughout the year. There'll be times that will be events where we can invite people and it'll be easy for them to come. I'm thinking of that awful Frozen movie time that you can invite people to come that are from outside the church and they can, they can, it's easy for them to come and there's, we're not going to beat them over the head with a Bible or something when they come in. We're going to listen to that awful song and we're just going to let it go. (laughs) We really do have the opportunity, each one of us, to influence people around us toward God in a great way during this year, 2015. Let's do that this year. Let's make that commitment to do it. Let's decide that that's what we're going to do. And the fifth decision that uh, will lead us to a compounding life that Josiah used, decide to maintain a pure heart. This is the final decision that he made, but it's it's a huge key to a compounding life. It's the one that really ties all the other four decisions together. It brings them all together. So you should have in your notes right there, Number one, you decide to live a compounding life. Number two, decide to build my life on Scripture. Number three, decide to put God first in all areas of my life. Number four, decide to influence other people toward God. And then finally, decide to maintain a a pure heart. Josiah made it his mission not only to use his influence to point people toward God, the one true living God. But he also said, I'm going to remove all the worship toward false gods. I'm going to remove that from this entire kingdom. We're going to get rid of all of the false god, false idols that are within the kingdom. Josiah became a one-man idol wrecking crew, a machine, if you will, and in Second Chronicles thirty-four, thirty-three, the first part of that verse, we, we pick up the story. It says, So Josiah removed all the detestable idols from the entire land of Israel and required everyone to worship the Lord their God. He didn't just go out and remove a couple of the statues. He didn't go out and remove a few things here and a few things there. This was a massive undertaking because there were literally hundreds of thousands of idols to false gods all throughout his kingdom. On every, on the top of every, they call it over there, high place, on the top of every ridge, every mountain, every hill, there would be an altar to some... Idol of God. He sent his army and he sent his men out and he went out himself and he took ownership of Jerusalem. And he said, In Jerusalem there are going to be no idols. And as he rounded up all the idols in the city of Jerusalem, he took them outside the city, which was by, it was kosher, and he burned them. And he said, no more of this idol worship. None. He searched, he destroyed, he cleaned up whatever he recognized as not belonging to the worship of the one true living God. And as I told you earlier, these, uh, the, the life of Josiah is, is paralleled uh, with Second Chronicles and Second Kings there's a little more in 2 Kings about this idol-wrecking that he did, and I find it kind of interesting. This uh, uh, translation that I'm going to read is from the Orthodox Jewish Bible, 2 Kings 23-24. Pardon my Hebrew pronunciation. It's been a while. It says, Moreover, the mediums with familiar spirits... And the Yidonim, that's the spiritists, the people that are, are uh, uh, carrying out these, these worship things. And the Teraphim, that's the household gods that they would have sitting around in every nook and cranny and uh, windowsills and above the doors and all this. And the Gilulim, which are idols themselves. And all the Shikutzim, that were seen in Eretz Yehuda, in all of Judah, and in Yerushalayim, that's Jerusalem, did Yoshiah put away? He got rid of them. So if we translate that, it says this Josiah got rid of the mediums, and the psychics, the household gods, the round things, and every other kind of detestable practice, both in Jerusalem and throughout the land of Judah. So now we have a little bit more knowledge about this idol-wrecking terror that, that Josiah went on. The, physic, uh, the the psychics, the mediums, the household gods. These were the things that the people prayed to that were not real gods. We got that right, idols, little little statuettes. And then there's that word, Shikitsian, the round things, is how it's translated. What in the heck is that talking about? In those days, the round things was a euphemism for pieces of feces, human feces, that they would bring into the worship area and place at the feet of these idols. I don't understand it. I certainly don't want to smell it. I don't really think that I'm into that kind of thing, but I know that if we were to use a colloquialism of today, Josiah got the crap out of the temple. He got it out of there, he removed it. He said, It's not going to happen. It's not going to be here. And he cleaned every bit of it up. And now think about that. The temple of God, the temple on the Temple Mount, where some of you have been, some of you are going, Temple Mount was full of round things. And I'm not talking about back droppings. I'm talking about You know what I'm talking about. So the obvious question that I would have for you is this. What are those round things in your life that you need to get rid of? What are those things in your life? What is the crap in your life that you need to clean up? What is it? Here at the beginning of this year, Do you need to go on a search and destroy mission and clean the dung out of your life? I'm serious, do you? Some of us need to. Some of us have years of it piled up. And we're beginning to smell a little. What better time than right now to decide... We're going to get rid of it today. Our idols aren't made of gold. Not many of you have a little idol sitting up above the sink in the windowsill. Some of you may. There may be some crystals or other things there, but you know, we're generally generally they're not made out of gold. Our idols today are are things like desires, desires. Food and drink. Lust. Sex. Attitudes. Prejudices. Stubbornness. Unforgiveness. Traditions like denominational allegiances. Theology that we have without any basis for that theology. We're just doing it because this is the way we've always done it. Why do we do what we do? It could even be other people. Other people could be those round things in our lives. And we allow that person, we allow our father or our grandfather, like Josiah's case to dictate what our life's going to be today because that's the way our family has always dealt with this issue. Do we have to do it this way because Grandpa did? Could Grandpa possibly have been wrong? We allow other things to get in the way. Stuff like clothes and electronics and cars and a new house. We allow materialism, the the, 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 the search and the, um, the quest, I guess, for wealth our 401Ks, our portfolios. We allow desires, sexual addictions, drug addictions, alcohol addictions. What's standing today between you and and God, the one true living God? What is it? That's the stuff you need to get out of your life. You need to decide today to get rid of it. Look at Matthew 5, 8. From the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Do you want to see God over these next 12 months of 2015? Do you want to start living a life of exponential impact? You can. You can. You can decide today that you're going to live a life that's going to have an, a compounding effect on all the people around you, small and large. You can begin that today. And when it's all said and done and the, and the books are closing on your life, Maybe this will be said about you just the way it was said about Josiah. Second Chronicles thirty four, the second half of verse thirty-three. And throughout the rest of his lifetime, they that would be all the people around Josiah, they did not turn away from the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Wouldn't you love for that to be said about you? Beginning today, it can be. Next week, we're going to look at a New Testament character. We're going to dig deeper into the life of Dorcas from the New Testament. I'm sure you've heard that name, Dorcas, and you know everything that you need to know. But maybe I can find one or two things that we can add to the mix. Let's pray. Let's pray a prayer together. And let's start with a prayer that another great Old Testament king, King David, who had his own set of issues, uh, once prayed. Pray this in your hearts. Now, search me, O God, and know my heart. Remove all the unclean things in my life and restore a right spirit in me. And maybe today for the first time or in a renovated kind of spirit, you're ready to say yes. Yes to Jesus. Yes, that Jesus is God's son. Yes. Yes that Jesus is your Savior? If so, right now in your hearts, you can say something like this, Dear Jesus, I want to live for you and to follow you from this day forward. And if you're already a follower of Jesus, just say, Jesus, like these people in Josiah's kingdom, today, I renew my commitment to you. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he said, Friends, this is my body that is broken for you. And he took a cup after the meal and poured wine in, saying, this cup is the new covenant. It's in my blood that's poured out for the forgiveness of all your sins. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this wine, you remember my death until I come. It was he who went to the cross for each one of us to pay the penalty for our sins to purchase a place for us in heaven to allow us to even be able to think about living a compounding life living a life of influence having a pure heart making all the other decisions that Josiah made It was He. It was in that act the very next day. As the servers come, take a moment to consider your relationship with the Lord. And whether there is, or I should say whether there are, maybe some round things in your life need to get rid of that you need to toss out and burn never to see again if that's something that you don't know exactly how you might be able to do that where well our ministry team is again on either side here come to them let them pray with you and for you come to me after the service let it, let all of us pray with you don't leave here today without getting that straight You want to make those decisions that Josiah made. And you want to start living a compounding life that affects so many people. Begin it today. It's a new day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As you come for communion, you can drop your connect cards, alpha registrations, your gifts and offerings in, in the uh, baskets on either side or here in the front. If you choose to use juice instead of wine, because we do use wine, uh, the servers will direct you to that. Come to his table this morning. He's going to call you by name. He knows each one of you by name. He's going to call you by name. Come to his table. He's inviting you. Just now.